now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Well, yeah, I'm in the house, but more importantly, we got some loggers in the house, Kenny. We absolutely do. We have, well, I'll let uh, Pete and uh, Chuck introduce themselves. Yeah, we're here, Brad. We're here, folks. Uh, We made her down. uh, No hurricane our way. Uh, uh, We had 25 (laughs) out this morning, so the ponds are starting to cool off a bit. Your pond is bigger and hotter, though. that (laughs) true? But anyway, it's nice to be back in the saddle and come out and talk about the timber industry a little bit again, folks. And today we have Chuck from uh, Cohasset, Minnesota, which is over by Grand Rapids. But I just want to take just a little break here just before we start. Last week I went down to Branson, Missouri, and I was asked to come and speak at the American Loggers Council annual meeting. And I got a chance to speak. These nice. are These are loggers and companies from all over the United States. They come in, they fly in, they drive in, and they meet once a year, and it moves around different state to different state. It was a real nice time, and I spoke about for about 12 minutes about the radio show and what it came about and all that, and Brad's show and Kenny and that. And uh, it was a real good, it was nice to be able to speak about that a little bit. And then uh, that night, there was a nice banquet, and uh, there's what they call silent auction and verbal auction, and... And they had those auctions, and then there was something that none of us were really expecting. And I've heard of these things happening, but I've never seen it firsthand. And then there was this young logger, TJ, from Louisiana, who second-generation logger. And he he, um, was in business for himself for only about six months. He went on his own from his dad's business, and they're trying to make a goal of it. And he got hit with uh, like a cancer thing, and and he almost got paralyzed. And he he didn't have that, but he had uh, some pretty good bills in that. And they at the auction, folks, here, the regular auctioneer, they auctioned off a couple of things. One from Duck Dynasty. The Robertson family sent it and autographed it, and that got auctioned off with duck calls and a little backing on it. And that thing sold for like four grand. And after it sold, this is when it gets kind of hard to believe, but the person that bid it, bought it, they said, sell it again. So it went to the net and went to more yet, and it sold twice. I thought that was really something. Well, then they had a uh, still chainsaw, and that got bid up. It's about $1,100 saw. When I was looking, I thought that's about $1,100 saw, very nice still chainsaw. And that bid, and it sold for like three grand or so, and the guy said, sell it again. <laughs> Looking around. Now, remember, these folks, they come from all over the United States, and different ones are bidding it from California, Maine, up Minnesota, Florida, Alabama. You name the state, they're there. And you got equipment vendors as well that are they're not locals. There may be some locals, but national uh, manufacturers are there representing themselves. That chainsaw, folks, sold was sold again, sold again, sold again, eight to ten times. Nobody took it, and, and the, la- the last guy that bought it said, give it to TJ. And, that, and when that was happening, you're kind of seeing it happen, and it's almost like a tearjerker when it's going on because all these people are coming together. It shows the heart and soul of the logging community where people are willing to help a fellow logger out that they don't really know, but they're willing to still help him out. And he got over, th- I'm not going to say an exact amount, but over $30,000 with those two items. Wow, and I I did talk to him and their executive director from Louisiana, and they're going to be coming on, folks. We're going to talk about their story in the very near future. But I wanted to get that out really quick so people get a little thought of it. But now we got here with us, we got Chuck from Cohasset, from Nelson Woodchimps. He's been here before. 
and yes, we're going to talk about the woodchip business and how they what they're doing. And a great thing that they're doing as well is how they changed their model of a business and became a corporation where the employees are owners of it now. But Chuck, nice. could could you talk about the company history just a little bit, and then we'll get into this other stuff real quick? Yes. So we're well, very Chuck, fortunate. Chuck, go ahead. Chuck, Chuck, real quick before you start, I just want to tell you when when Pete had you on the first time, I, I gotta tell you, I thought to myself, this is really gonna be stupid. A guy that makes little shims, <laughs> what 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 can this possibly be? I was impressed with your whole operation. I really was, and and I gotta tell you, every time I go into a store, I whether it's an Ace Hardware store or Home Depot, Lowe's, whatever it is. I look for your stuff, and I usually find it. You're all over the place. We try to be. It it really helps. So the uh, that didn't happen overnight, though. Either it started oh, out no. seventy years no, no. ago as a one man operation, and now today it's grown to sixty eight people, and uh, wow. we sell product uh, not only all over um, the United States, but in thirty two different countries. So. Uh, we feel very fortunate to be doing as well as we are. And it's taken a lot of hard work, yeah, but uh, we're really excited about it. And um, when Peter talked about uh, some of the recent changes we made, before we were a C Corporation, and Fred owned the company for 24 years, and he wanted to figure out a way to continue his legacy uh, with the company, not just sell it to the highest bidder. And we started really studying different ways to transition the company, and we became an ESOP. It'll be three years ago, November 1st. And uh, what that stands for the, is uh, Employee Stock Option Plan. A lot of benefits to that. Uh, everyone becomes an owner. And it's amazing to see how many people start thinking like owners and acting like owners. It just isn't a job. It's part of their livelihood. And it was so fun one day in the sawmill. I watched one guy on the saw, and he's looking at it, and he's measuring it, looking at it, measuring it. And I watched him cut it, and after I said, uh, so what caused you to cut the board that length? He says, well, after looking at it, I made an executive decision, and here's how I cut it. And uh, (laughs) I said, we need everybody to think that way. So uh, that kind of told me it was working. And everyone has shares in the company. And uh, so every year we do a share price reveal. It's a an ESOP's not for everybody. You really want a company that's got about 20 people in it because there are some uh, bigger administrative costs to it. And um, sure. 20 or more? 20 or more. Is, 20 is a good number to start at. Okay. Gotcha. Well, and, Chuck, did, how did you determine how many shares uh, somebody got? Was it based upon how long they'd worked for you, what their job description was, or how did you do that? So how that works is um, it's based upon your pay, and it looks at your gross pay each year, and it's all okay. put together for everybody, and it's divided out, and that's your percentage. But then as an ESOP, you go through an audit and a bunch of other different things to make sure that your share price is accurate. And um, it's, um, it's been a good ride so far. Our shares have continued to rise quite nicely, and our employees have been very impressed with their shares when they get it presented each year in April. So it's been a lot of fun. So, so do they? The, each employee owns a percentage of the company itself, correct? That is correct, through their shares. Through their shares. So let's say there's a million shares and they've got, you know, 300 shares or 3,000 shares. 
uh, that's their stake in the company. It becomes a personal thing then. Yeah, and you don't get it overnight. Um, it takes a year to start getting uh, your shares, and then it takes six years to be fully vested. So if you started okay. on Monday, seven years from now, you could be a full, so to speak, like partner. Uh, we don't partner, call them partner, but, but okay. you're, you you're 100% them? vested in your shares. So let's say you've got uh, 20000 in shares and you're only five years into it. You're not going to get the whole 20000 because you're not fully vested yet. Okay. So, so you're yeah. looking at longevity, not having to retrain people. You keep them, get them, you hold them, and you collect very good employees. That's what we're seeing. And uh, we've got a caliber of maintenance people and master electrician um, that we've never had before. Wow. And then I would assume, Chuck, that uh, that then goes to them on retirement, uh, becomes part of their retirement. They sell those shares of stock back to the company or to the corporation? That, yep. It's, they sell it, and they start cashing out their, their shares. So if they've got, um, let's say, 300000 in um, share value, uh, they start getting that, and that's paid out over a few years. But it's part of, the, like a, part of your retirement. We have a 401k as well which we match oh, really nice at 8%. Okay. And then uh, this this on top. So you can do really well at Nelson. So, Boy, you really can. Well, guys, hold your thunder a little bit. We have Bob Olin on the line with us, the master gardener. Uh, Bob, we're seeing frost warnings, which means a lot of the farming is going to pretty much be done before too long, isn't it? Well, you're absolutely right, Brad. Uh, last night was one of those cold nights, one of the first frosts freezes we had in the area but that doesn't mean there isn't a lot of product uh everyone was out hustling they were picking harvesting covering and we made it through the night and we're still going to have plenty of wonderful product going forward and you're open wednesdays and saturdays so today you would be open from two to five you can stop by there after work or on your way home and you'd take home some of the finest product you'd get anywhere and freshest product that you could possibly bring home well, that's absolutely right, and uh, I guarantee the shelves will be full. Uh, we've got 27 different vendors with all kinds of different products, and there was a lot harvested last night. And I just wanted to comment, it was on your program that you mentioned that, or one of your loggers mentioned that uh, that first dollar that gets generated always comes from the earth, either mined or grown as lumber or grown as uh, tomatoes and kohlrabi. It all starts really with that local economy and that first dollar gets generated locally, starting, among others, with the farmers at the Duluth Farmers Market, 14th Avenue, East and 3rd, 2 to 5 this afternoon, Brad. We love the farming industry in the northern. You know, some people don't think that there are that many local farmers that bring products to to the market. You will find so many of your own neighbors that grow things and bring it to market fresh. So, Bob Olin, thank you so much. And I must just say I'm enjoying your program. And, you know, there's a kinship between those in the uh, lumber industry and those in the farm industry. And... Uh, we understand uh, each other to the extent we know we all go through, through some trials and tribulations, but ultimately uh, work to bring good product uh, to folks in the Northland here. Fantastic. All right, Bob Olin, thank you very much. We're going to have to take this first commercial break, and then we're going to come back uh, with Chuck and with Pete Woods, uh, talk a little bit more about the growth of their business and uh, how it's uh, succeeded uh, from where we are today. So we'll be right back. Giant Redwood, larch, the fir, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. 
with my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I oh, eat for lunch. I go to the lavatory. Yes, still chuckle and laugh when I, just, I hear that. I love that song. I just can't oh, get crap. <laughs> hey, hey, Kenny, Kenny, I gotta ask you a question. Yeah. Have you have you ever met Peter's daughter? I have not. How about his wife? Have you ever met no, her? No, I haven't. I've talked okay, to well his you, wife, but never met her. Yeah, you you got to get a chance. But if you ever see Peter's daughter, yeah, I swear to God, from the nose up, it looks exactly <laughs> like Peter. Her I'm glad eyes you said are my nose. Let's see, from the nose <laughs> yeah. up. Oh, okay, I see. No, I see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I no, I mean you look into her. You look into her eyes, and you're looking into Peter's eyes. I swear to God, it's just freaky. <laughs> well, where did you uh, meet her at? I met her at the Friends of the NRA banquet up there in Duluth just yeah, we, before we came down here. We went to the banquet, saw Brad, met my family, and my daughter, and my, uh, my son, and, uh, but I'm, I'm thankful she didn't get my nose, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that would not be good. <clears throat> no, she's a very nice-looking lady. Very, well, thank you, thank uh, you all. She'll yeah. hear it, but thanks. But anyway, uh, 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 Chuck... Uh, what if, what if, um, Brad? What if uh, companies out there listening right now, or, or a group of folks, are listening? And how? Because when you started this ESOP, and that it's been almost what close to three years, I take it, and uh, that's why I've been waiting and waiting to see how it would work out before we had you back on. Because if yeah. it, if it, I don't want to bring somebody on, then it kind of falls apart. But here, it's working excellent, better and better and better. What what kind of uh, recommendations if somebody's listening out there, Wisconsin, Maine, Florida, or wherever? Would you recommend or what would they want to hear about how to go about doing this? Because there's other companies out there who probably like to do something like this. Yeah, so basically if you've got 20 people, besides the benefits that I mentioned on employee retention and, and uh, hiring employees, um, that's great. The transaction costs to become an ESOP are quite high. And then there are oh. administrative costs, too, that are high that you go through each year and you get audited and interrogate and you go through all the stuff because they want to make sure you're running the business uh, well. And it's governed by sure. the Department of Labor and ERISA. And we have board meetings. We have board members. So there's a bit of administrative work to it. But here's the kicker. You pay no state or federal taxes as a corporation. We as employees oh each boy. pay it. <laughs> and you know what's nice about that, Brad? What's that? We can spend our money much better on business than, than the government can. They're good at spending money. We're good at making money. So now we take yes. what we saved in taxes, and we invested in a brand-new sawmill. And now oh, we man. can really let the sawdust fly. <laughs> Boy, Chuck, I'll tell you what. that You know, I, got a, I started getting palpitations there when you started talking about no taxes. But now... That makes absolute sense. Not only do you need to not pay taxes, but you can accumulate that to buy other equipment to let your company grow and expand. I mean, there's a lot of pluses for this. A uh, lot of pluses. Sounds like you're investing in yourself instead of people taking investing where they think you're doing a better job handling your own money. That is exactly yeah. correct. So there's a that's the that's the big advantage, uh, besides all the employee benefits and and whatnot. So. 
uh, it's just been a, a great transaction for us, and uh, we're really excited about it. And we, it's fun to do our share price reveal every year. It, um, it's been very, very attractive. Um, so now that we've got this new, bigger, faster mill, I want to talk a little bit about loggers, or another term is farmers in the forest. And there um, there's a problem in the woods, though. And here's the problem. More than one time, I'm running into loggers and I'm talking to them. And these are second-generation loggers. And they have sons. And they're telling their sons, don't get into logging. There's not enough money in it. Too much heartache. Tough way to earn a living. And this is happening more and more and more that um, the loggers are not replacing themselves. And now that we got this new, bigger, faster mill, we need those logs. So we're taking a look at what can we do to help bring about some change so that we can encourage more people to replace themselves as they get towards retirement. And yeah. um, it really boils down to um, the public service people developing a big picture triology. You know, I'll explain that a little bit, uh, Brad. So the... Um, okay. Um, religions have theologies. Well, and that explains how their religion works. Well, public service people have triologies that are what I would call small picture. Uh, I've talked to different people in different counties, and they'll look at only putting up wood that goes for $40 a cord on the stump, or $50 a cord. Now, a lot of the wood we use runs 10 to 12 bucks a cord on the stump. They won't put it up for auction, even though it's ready to harvest in the woods, because it doesn't generate enough revenue for their department. That's small picture uh, thinking or theology. What we'd like yeah. to see, and I'm kind of on a quest to do this, and I've started talking to the people in the public service department about, you really have to look at providing not only that $40 cord wood, but the $10, $12 cord wood, because here's how it works. You buy it for 10 bucks a cord, costs you 50 to to process it and get it out of the woods, another 30 to haul it. Well, now there's a lot of margin left over. But when you buy it for 40 or $50 a cord on the stump, all those costs are the same, and there's little to no margin left. And that's why the loggers are not replacing themselves. So this is a... Uh, kind of a campaign I've been working on and uh, continuing to visiting with uh, different counties trying to get their triology fixed. How is that going? Are, are they starting to see it a little bit? Are they starting to understand it? Well, two-sided two question here. Pete, is, is this a, a real issue with loggers that, that you guys are, uh, you know, because of the hard labor that goes into this, you're kind of talking your own kids out of going into that business? Um, well, you I'll know what? Go, uh, well, you uh, know, we're going to come to break uh, be, be, here. Yeah, before you answer that, I, I'd like you to think about Brad, it. Brad, why don't we go ahead and have them answer that? Because we're going to come back with uh, with an advertiser. We've got a, a minute or okay. two. Okay, all right. Uh, real quick Let's then. Let's do it then. Um, on that, what I notice happening at local level, state level, just at the upper Midwest and at the national level is a lot, a lot of frustration on the end of, yeah. the, of the logger and the... Uh, and when you see, we'll we'll put up with a lot of garbage and a lot of junk, and and the and the the kids 
the children of the logger can see what really goes on. You don't have to yeah. say a word, and they'll see what goes on. And if if you have to work a lot, which we do, but if there's a good reward, the people will pass it on, and 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 uh, the next generation will come into it, and they'll want to do it because they'll they'll do the work, but they get frustrated because after a while, if 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 you um, everything costs so much. And there's not really a whole lot of profit. You can still turn a lot of dollars, but if there isn't sure. a whole lot of profit, and where you're not you're not buying the new vehicle, the new car, the new equipment, and you're just working, 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 the children will see that, and then the parents will slowly try and push that child of theirs away. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I struggle with that a lot, where I don't want to push the children away. I want them to come in. I want my son to come into it. I want my daughter to come into it and, and sure. be a part of the business because you can make a living at it. But what's happening as a whole that I see with loggers is they're getting so frustrated because the machines are getting so high tech. And as long as that machine is under warranty, you the the they, they can um, have the service come out and fix it. But when that expires... Now you're going to be paying service calls. It gets expensive. Yeah. The machine's down. Where if you went back 30 years ago, you could fix it yourself pretty much any of it. It went really good. Wow. So what I see is a lot of frustration. And that's what I wanted Chuck to talk about a little bit is what he sees from his end. On, on the, uh, We're going to have to go to break here. But when we come back, if we could have Chuck describe a little bit what he sees the frustration of the timber industry. Yeah. It can continue on. Don't and, get me wrong, folks. The farmers of the forest, and may, we want to keep going. Well, and maybe Chuck can talk a little bit about, too, what might be the answer to how we keep some of these kids in the system. Uh, you know, are there some things that maybe will make the job a little bit easier as we go along? But let's let's take our CBS News break, and then we'll come back more with uh, Chuck and with Peter Woods. Well, Northlanders, uh, to the uh, strains of the Woodchopper's Ball. Uh, so back to Chuck and Peter, and we were talking about the fact that a lot of loggers, uh, because of the physical work, because of the the physicalness of it, a lot of the kids that grow up in these families, they look at that and they say, you know what, I can go to college, I can move on, I can become a computer technician, I can be something else. So how do we how do we make the job more attractive to uh, to people like uh, Peter's daughter or his son? How do how do we convert that? And Chuck, what you have going with the ESOP program in your company is a very attractive program. But is there some way maybe they could carry that over into the logging industry? Um, from our standpoint, Brad, uh, from a logger's shoes, it's it's a we love what we do for a living. We truly do. I, I get into it. I enjoy doing it. We want to pass that on. And, and I, I believe we're telling you things that we see coming that could be not the best. And we want to correct it before we get to the point of no return. And, and, yeah. and um, we believe that by educating the public is one thing, um, is, is a big part. Because as society as a whole, if somebody thinks of the logger, they they kind of look down. They push down. Like when I was in Branson, I talked about these things to the uh, fellow loggers there and vendors, and that um, we're 
we're, we're farmers of the forest, and what we do, we love to do what we do, and we want to continue to do it. It's just that we need to be able to figure out a way to keep it going to the next generation, next generation, next generation. And what they did at Nelson Woodshims is kind of, I think, a great fresh start, or it's been around for a while. But, Chuck, how, how, how do you see it that um, I think it, I, I enjoy what I do, and I think a lot of loggers do. They just want to make a, a decent living. Yes. And the way I see this today and this revelation about what's happening in the woods really hit me this spring after talking with a number of loggers and then also talking with people in public service. So I see three areas. One, getting the trilogy fixed in the public service sector so the right variety of trees are offered so that the loggers can make a decent living. Then it's more attractive to the kids. So that's one step. The second part is we're a mill that's paying more now for logs than we've ever paid because we don't want to be logging. We want to support the loggers. So higher fuel costs, higher labor, we're paying them more. We're paying them mileage. And there's a number of other mills that are doing this, but not all mills. There's some big boys out there that need to step up to the plate. We all need to do this so that the loggers can make a decent living that's attractive. So that's number two. And the third part is education. Um, You touched on a bit, Peter, but a lot of people think logging is not a, a good thing, and that couldn't be more far from the truth. The loggers are actually farming the forest. And uh, an example of this is back in the 1800s, before uh, we were logging in northern Minnesota, it was tough to find a deer in the woods. If you got a deer, you were something else. And uh, you get more south into the grasslands and whatnot, you'd find deer down there. But up here, it was tough to find them. Because it was tough to find deer, the next thing for the predators to eat were rabbits. And they had to eat a lot of rabbits because rabbits are pretty small. So that's, they were on the menu, but it's a small portion. And if you look who ate the rabbits, it was the wolves, it was the coyotes, it was the uh, wolverines, uh, eagles, um, and animals such as that. And then cleaning up what was left over are the songbirds. So it made it really tough. Well, since the forests have now been managed uh, for the last, what would you say, Peter, 50, 60 years? Uh Probably it started probably in the 50s or something like that. You okay. Know, after the pine kind of dissipated out, and it wasn't really, it was pretty poor, pretty bad managed actually Yeah. at one time. And um, I talked to some of the old timers. They said, boy, if you got on a deer track, you stayed on that track because there weren't many around. And this is when I was a kid. So what's happened is since the forests have been managed, there's a lot more deer because they've got a lot of oh, these yeah. shoots coming up. And it... Um, now that there's a lot more deer, the eagles don't have to suffer as much. Uh, the um, wolves got something to eat, and there's more bunny rabbits around because they're not all getting eaten, eaten alive. So it's really made a big difference um, because the forests are being managed by the farmers. And so if we can get all three areas pulling together um, with the public service, with 100% of the mills, and then educating people so that they see that, hey, this is a great thing, that we're managing this resource that is used to not only employ a bunch of folks in Minnesota and ship that product all over the world, but it really uh, infuses the economy and makes it a great place to live. So the big thing is that as I look at this, is we can fix this, but it's going to take all three sectors, education, public service, and the mills. 
and it'll be a lot well, better. Well, guys, we uh, guys, we have to take our Minnesota news break. Uh, can you stay on until the top of the hour, Peter? I know we for many years we tried to do it just a forty-five minute show, but uh, it's really an hour-long uh, structure and. Yep. Can you and Chuck hang on till the top of the hour? Well, Kenny locked the door. I don't know how we're going to get out, but we'll stick around. How's that sound? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sounds good. We'll do our Minnesota news break, and then we'll come back with more. KDAL time is 1250. We've got uh, 54 degrees at the Army Corps of Engineers, adjacent to the area lift bridge in Canal Park. Well, Peter, uh, we're learning a lot from Chuck this morning. I had a question for Chuck. Chuck, how long has it been? You you said you were selling your products in like 20 countries? 32. How long has that been going? Oh, wow. 32. How long has that been going on? Um, we really started expanding into other countries here about uh, 15, 16 years ago when we started really closing some deals with some really big distributors that sell our product all over the world. Uh, prior to that, it was mainly here in the U.S., and that's really grown our business. Wow, that's really big. So, guys, how do how would you look at uh, what is there a plan that might be able to help uh, some loggers bring family members into the business that would keep and would help uh, build that industry? Go ahead, Chuck. Okay, so the one part I already mentioned is, and I have a lot of hope that we can get this fixed. Is first of all, let's getting the public service sector that's tied to the forest industry thinking with the right triology. That's number one. Number two, getting all the mills to make sure the loggers are taken care of. You can't just keep driving down the cost of your logs and expect the loggers to live. They're not going to exist. So that needs to change there too. And the third part is education, that we're doing a great thing for a lot of the animals of the forest by managing them with these forest farmers. It's a it's a three-pronged right. approach. And, um, and I'm starting to do that now. I'm spending time on the road uh, talking to um, different folks in different counties about what we can do to make sure that people want to continue to bring their sons and daughters into the logging business. So I have hope. Well, we're trying to, on our end a little bit, uh, through like radio here, Brad, and educating the folks out there about our timber industry that uh, it's... It isn't always money, folks. It's all, it's for for me. It's been a way of life. I, I truly love doing what I do, and I, I believe there's a lot of loggers out there that do. They just get frustrated, and you you have this roller coaster ride up and down, up and down. And right now, it's a little bit down, but um, I believe you you want to keep it going. For me, it's 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 a great way of living, a good life. It really is. You know, you're gonna have your yeah. good times and bad times, but all in all, I, I'm very happy that I got to be a part of it, very happy I got to be a logger and make a living from it and hand it to the next generation, next generation. And we, 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 why I th- find it very vital to keep it going because you don't want to reinvent the wood wheel. You want to you wanna be able to hand things down to the next generation, next generation, because otherwise if, if you don't, it only takes one generation and then that next generation will make the same mistakes that you did or the generation before. So it's important to keep it going. It's important to keep handing it down and important to know how it works, what works best, because everybody uses our end product all over the nation, all over the world, every hour of every day. We just want to yeah. keep providing it. And I think it could be a joint effort both ways. That it, it, It's sustainable, very, very much so. 
And, and well, uh, and I think as as Chuck said, Peter, um, I don't think any of the mills want to run loggers out of the business because then where are they going to get their supplies and where are they going to get their product from? So it really has to be uh, something where everybody works together. And I, I hope, you know, with uh, with ideas like Chuck has, what they've done with their company, maybe that some of that can be brought over into the logging industry itself. And I am so glad that uh, that years and years ago, Peter, you approached me about coming on the air uh, and, and said, uh, you know, you think maybe once a month it could come on and we talk about the logging industry. I didn't know how it would go. I didn't know if it would be interesting to people, but it has become very interesting. And I, I like to consider this show almost like your uh, mining industry show that they have on television. Uh, it's a way for the logging industry to uh, tell the general public what's going on, what their needs are, what their concerns are, and uh, and make for a stronger industry all the way around. I hope we can continue to do this for years and years to come. Well, Brad, I hope to keep coming with different guests over and over again, and I'm thankful that Chuck was willing to come and do this because the model was being started when he was on the last time, and I had to wait three years to make sure <laughs> I don't want to come on. He's out of business. That wouldn't be cool. But uh, the, it's it's done extremely well. I've toured their plant. It's a great plant. It's a good location. And I believe, folks, this could be duplicated all across, maybe not in wood shims, but it could be duplicated, businesses like this, across the whole yes. country to help little communities go more and more and more. It's kind of like, why couldn't we make uh, electricity, biomass, wherever there's forest growing, where you got these little plants to do it? Absolutely. And that could be the same way. But it's important to keep the timber industry going because we need it. And without it, you will not live a modern life at all. And that's why we need the folks out there consuming it. We need to keep providing it. We need ch- people like Nelson Woodshims to keep buying our end product. And hopefully we can keep going along and along because most loggers want to hand it down to the next generation. And I certainly do. And I hope others do out there as well. Absolutely. Well, Chuck, thank you so much for coming back on with us today. Uh, I think you're in a great example for businesses that want to grow. And uh, I think your idea of an ESOP, if you've got more than 20 people and you want to make sure that that business is sustainable, that's a really great idea to uh, to maybe look at as a possibility for the future. So, Peter, until next uh, next month, I want to thank you for uh, making, a, again, another very interesting show. Thank you very much, and thank you folks out there willing to listen. All right. Well, Kenny, we've got to go to our top-of-the-hour break. We've got another hour to go, though, here on the Afternoon Edition, KDAL 610 with Sound Off. So please come back and join us shortly. 